0: First of all, welcome to episode one hundred and thirty-five of Together BHA, uh, and the last one for the season of twenty twenty-one. Um, it has been what I consider and have dubbed a few times to to people that that listen that the impossible season. Um, everything that you know, it was so difficult to get this season all knocked out. Right, everything that was going on, pretty much everything was was against us. Um, from the very beginning so for for the albion um and all the other teams really you know in in every division i I just watched the the playoff final for lincoln um and uh blackpool congratulations to blackpool um on, on their win today you know every single time um you see something like that you think damn like the fact that we've managed to crush this is is pretty impressive um you know late starts uh, late finishes straight into the euros shortly after um you know we've got a uh, we've got a lot of stuff going on and the fact that we've managed to get through every single thing um is is really really impressive i you know enough cannot be stated that that the clubs have done such an amazing job uh, everyone's done such an amazing job at getting through it you know i i i just think they've done it's been an astounding piece of business to get everything knocked out. Um, so, so massive fair play to them and everybody else. In terms of the Albion, uh, we have now finally locked in um, everybody who will be joining us uh, next season. We now have uh, Brentford winning the, the playoff final yesterday against Swansea, who were uh, crap, honestly, for, for the majority of the game uh really quite surprising at how poor swansea were um i know that we were told you know cooper uh, had taken over from swansea and was supposed to be doing a better job almost than, than potter but uh he was he was really quite poor i was quite surprised at how poor he was um yep yeah uh sal in the chat it's me sal says that it was touch and go at some point in the season but we trudged on and i think you're right i think around christmas that christmas to january i was starting to get very edgy i thought oh no there was you know those games being cancelled there was a lot of people going down with covid in my opinion uh because obviously nothing official has actually been shared i do think that alzate got battered with covid badly lalana we know had it uh, I think there was probably two or three others in, in the team that had it, let alone the Premier League. We know there's been a lot more than just a few. so um, really it's it's a testament to uh, you know being able to crack on, get those uh, get those postponed games put in midweek and we, 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 able, we were able to get through it. Um, I was really impressed with the, you know the, the just everything, really good stuff. Um, But in terms of the the season itself, uh, we do have a whole bunch of stuff to go through. um, And and some of the most obvious stuff is is at the top of the top of the order. So today we're going to go with uh, season postmortem is kind of the theme of the episode. Uh, We'll be taking a look at uh, some awards of the year. So uh, best game of the season, best goal, uh, most improved player, best signing, young player of the year, and of course, player of the year. Uh, we'll also be tooken, looking at some of the stats of the season, uh, including some awards of top goal scorer, top assists, uh, stuff like that. Um, and and then we'll also be taking a look at you know just overall thoughts of what happened with the season. Um, and then of course, looking ahead to next year, we have some transfers incoming. Uh, what we need, um, and we're also going to be taking a not a deep dive, but uh, I've kind of split the. Uh, the the squad that we currently have into five sections um of players from most important to least important in terms of squad value um with some caveats in there and then of course like i said we'll be looking at the transfers incoming and what we need uh anybody in the chat that would love to have their say you know the chat is there for a reason feel free to jump in let me know what you think on the awards give me your own winners and and we'll talk about them as well i'll tell you why they weren't mine um so yeah, we can uh, we can kick off with the with the awards. So, best game of the season. This was actually uh, one of the toughest ones I had when I was going through my um, my award list of what I'd had. And best game of the season, I had Newcastle away, Newcastle at home. Um, two of those, both of those are up there. And I'll tell you why both of them were up there. They didn't win it, but both of them were up there uh, because. I think I believe that if Graham Potter could play football and get results in the exact way he wants to every week, we would play like we did against Newcastle both times this season. Plenty of the ball, dominating in possession, taking our chances when they came, and and just just absolutely housing the team from start to finish. Uh, I think that you know that is what Potter wishes he could do every week in a dream dream world. Um, and, and I think that encompasses potable to a T Leeds, both home and away were also on the, on the list as well. Uh, because, you know, I think that we, uh, for, for Marcelo Bielsa, who is obviously a very, very good manager. Um, he was a very, very good manager before he went to Leeds. He is a very, very good manager now at Leeds, and he has converted some of those players that. You know, I think if Bielsa was to leave tomorrow, uh, I, I don't think I don't think half of those players would be Premier League players at all. Um, and I think that the fact that we've been able to watch him cultivate an entire team to to overachieve in the same way Wilder did with Sheffield United, uh, I think is very, very impressive. So for Potter to go to Leeds and to bring them home and to just totally tactically outclass him uh, over the case of 180 minutes was brilliant to watch. Um, But my best game of the season, despite the fact that we weren't the first team to do it, has to be Liverpool away at Anfield. Um, The only regret or the only thing I have bad about that game, I think, is the fact that there weren't any fans there. I think it would have been one of the most magical nights in in Albion Premier League history if we'd have been at Anfield that day. Uh, Because the game itself, again, Potter just totally had Klopp's number. Um, He had watched other teams prior get success against this Liverpool side that was struggling um, and by Liverpool standards was struggling. Um, And he just game planned this entire Liverpool side to death. Um, And, you know, we got the goal and and there wasn't really a point in the game I felt that we were going to concede. We just looked so comfortable. Um, And to be able to say that. Uh, When we were playing, you know, the champions of England at the time, the the reigning champions of England at the time is just unbelievable. Uh, So, you know, for me, that uh, that is absolutely game of the season. Liverpool away one nil was also came during one of our big purple patches in February. Um, And and it was a purple patch we needed because, you know, that kind of area of the season is where we went on to go and go go and be safe, whether we knew it or not at the time. Uh, I thought it was excellent. Goal of the season. Uh Albion have actually put up on their YouTube um the their goal of the season nominations, which was great for me because I have to admit there was one or two of them I'd forgotten. They didn't win it, <laughs> but it was good to be reminded of some of the goals we have scored this season. My goal of the season wasn't even close. Uh leads away, the Mopai tapping, um was just unbelievable. From our own half, we just total football tick attacked our way through the entire Leeds team from front to back. Uh, and we just cut them apart like a like Manchester City would. Um it was some of the best football I've ever seen us play. Um, it was up there with the with the Izquierdo goal against Stoke, where we just literally walked through their their entire midfield in defense. Um and for Mopi just to be st- stuck on the back post to tap it away at the end, the entire play from back to front was just magical. Um, I don't think it's going to win the Albion's award um, because I think there were some absolute screamers this season. But for me, uh, that goal was by far and away my best goal of the season. So Neil Mopi uh, leads away. Unbelievable. Um, Bruce the Moose, 45 says that just for the matter of fans being there in the atmosphere, it has to be City at home for him for best game of the season. Um, It was very much on my list of considerations. Uh, I think the only reason I didn't have it higher up uh, was simply because we were already safe at that point. Um, I celebrated like crazy that we won it anyway. Um, I was over the moon, obviously. We've just beaten Manchester City 3-2 from 2-0 down. Uh, I was buzzing I was so happy about it um but it just I don't know for me it was the the Liverpool one simply because we we still were so desperately you know trying to fight our way out of that relegation battle um but Manchester City at home was uh, was probably the best game to watch obviously uh, at, at the Amex because it was the only one you went to but yeah it was uh, the atmosphere was unreal when Trossard scored that goal um just through the TV, you know, you had eight thousand people there, and it sounded like eighty thousand at times. I don't know whether they turned the microphones up. I don't know whether they strategically placed you around the Amex so it would get like the the best like ricochet of sound around the stadium. But it sounded like so loud as to how many people were there. Um, so yeah, massively impressed with it. Uh, my most improved player of the season. Now this is a weird one. Because he wasn't bad to begin with. But my most improved player of the season goes to Pascal Gross. Pascal Gross has probably been the biggest comeback kid this year that we've ever seen in the Premier League for Albion. Obviously, we're only talking four seasons, but I think that he has done an insane turnaround job, personally. Um, There's a couple of stats I've seen on on fbref.com. Uh, He was uh, third in the team for progressive passes received. Uh, He was uh, second for 67 successful open play passes and crosses into the box. He loved creating as per usual. Uh, He had 430 pressures on the ball um, and that was third in the team. 5.5 Uh, 5.5 expected assists, top of the team. 11 goals plus assists altogether, so 11 goal involvements, um, and then 110 shot creating actions, which was the most in the team. Um, I thought he, the job he was asked to do, was not the uh, the best. You know, he was asked to play right wing back. He was asked to play central midfield. Um, he was asked to play all over the place this season, um, and the fact that he had been out of the side. Last year, um, I think I'm just blown away at the uh, the turnaround he's had, and I think that uh, uh Sal in the chat has smashed it. Um, he's such a money ball esque signing, no big club wants him because he lacks pace. Um, and that is his only bad attribute, I agree. And I think it's the, the attribute that does separate him from being you know, I think if you added pace to him, like this is going to sound outrageous and people will be listening to this podcast in their car, driving to work, or they'll be watching this right now. And they're about to spit their drink out of their mouth. If you made Pascal gross faster, like proper fast, you would be having a conversation about Pascal gross in the same conversation as Kai Havertz, as Kevin, Kevin De Bruyne, as you know, those Christine Pulisic as those really creative, dangerous, top class level athletes. His lack of pace is so apparent. And when he was asked to play right wing back, when we were put up against dangerous wingers, he was exposed so badly. Um, It was obviously a tactical mishap mistake from from Potter that he kept making uh, time and time again due to the depth or lack of depth that we had. Um, But I think if you made Pascal Gross a very quick player, as well as what he's already got, I really do think that you're talking about a top six creative midfielder, if not a top three creative midfielder in terms of, you know, a Manchester City midfielder, a Liverpool midfielder, a Chelsea midfielder, a Barca, a Real Madrid. Like those teams would have been in for him two years ago if, if he was, if he had a lot more pace on him. Um, But for me, most improved player of the year, the fact that Potter has been able to work him into the side and work out how it works best for him um, has been a tactical masterclass. And I think he's just been unbelievable. Um, signing of the season. Now, I've seen some drama online of people picking their signings of the season, uh, You know, comparing apples to oranges with strikers and center halves and all that stuff. I've said it on the podcast a hundred times. I love to base opinions off of stats as much as I can, as unbiased as I can. Um of course, you know, if you're if you're creating data and you're creating statistics with an intention of forming an opinion, uh, you know, if you're if you're creating data to defend someone or to boost someone up or, you know, to uh add an opinion, I think you're on a losing battle. Um and I think a lot of people online can be fallen subject to that. Uh so you know, the easiest way to do it is just be a bit of a cop-out and say that you're going back to the eye test. And for me, Uh, Looking at money spent, the eye test above all of watching that player all season, as opposed to what we were all expecting. Joel Veltman is by far and away our best signing of the season, in my opinion. Um, I think that Joel Veltman has been just an unbelievable revelation for us this year. You know, when you look at Joel Veltman, we signed him for 900 grand he was never meant to be a starter it was pretty clear that he was supposed to be a very very quality backup to our three center halves in white webster and dunk i don't think he was even intentioned to play right back you know i think that the intention was to have of course Tarrett lampty on the right march on the left and the back three is the back three i think veltman was there to to back up our back three and if necessary with injuries i think he was probably the player that you were they were hoping was going to be able to slot into a back four at right back if necessary the player we signed for (laughs) for, for, for 900 grand made 28 appearances this season 28 appearances he was ninth in the overall squad for minutes played this season only eight players played more minutes than joel veltman this year one goal one assist three yellow cards he played an imbe- he was unbelievable frankly uh, for what he was supposed to be he played 10 games at the center half he played uh, seven games at, at right back he played uh, six games at right wing back he played four games as a wi- as a wide midfielder like full on out wide uh, his crossing was very good uh, his, he held onto the ball well. He was very strong in the air. His passing was great. His tackling was great. His defensive contribution was great. You know, as an attacking fullback or an attacking wingback, he wasn't a goal scorer or, a you know, a huge assist machine like Tariq Lamptey would be, uh, but but he's not that player. You know, he's, he's originally a centre-half that can play right back sometimes. For him to come in and do what he has done for the money spent, unbelievable. Ajax fans are absolutely stunned at what they've seen this season. They were—they thought for 900 grand, Ajax fans that I've spoken to, and I've spoken to a few, Ajax fans thought they'd had our pants down. Ajax fans thought that we had been ripped off for just 900 grand. They thought that was too much for Joel Beltman. And he has came in and has, to me, been our signing of the season by a 100 miles Danny Welbeck scored some very important goals, no doubt. But he also had plenty of games where he went totally missing. Uh, Adam Lallana, when he plays, the entire team looks better. He's a leader; you can hear him. That's one of been one of those advantages this season, I think. Right of having the uh, the the crowds not there. There's, in fact, it's the only advantage because I hate there being no fans. The only advantage this season has been being able to hear everybody. You're able to hear them coaching you're able to hear the players boosting each other up and adam lallana was so loud he was so vocal he was all over the place when he did play he raised everybody's game but he didn't play enough for me um and you know to me Jakob moda great signing But he's definitely one for for the future, right? He's still growing. He's still learning. He's being played all over the place as a bit of a utility player this season. I suspect that won't happen next year. I suspect he will be utilized appropriately for him and his strengths. He was asked to do several jobs this year. Um, But for me... You know, I thought that that Veltman is that standout. Um, and and honestly, like and and Sal has just said in the chat, uh, he could be even captain one day. You know, Pascal Gross, Veltman, Lalana could all be captains one day. Even Besuma. And and I agree with you. Um, I, I think I mentioned in the podcast the other day the the last game of the season, just how loud and how G'd up Besuma looked to everybody. He was really leading the entire team forward. Um And for me, you know, you can't buy the, you cannot buy another player like Veltman for 900 grand. He's a, to me, he is our second best value signing ever in the Premier League. You know, the fact that we signed him, in fact, he may be our second best value for money signing in the last 10 years. Like I'm struggling to think of anybody else uh, that we've signed long term. Um, cause you know, you've got Wayne bridge who played unbelievably. You've got Upson that came for that second half of a season. That was awesome. Vicente who is Vicente, uh, you know, players like that, that value for money is insane. But in terms of the value he's brought to the team, Veltman has just been unreal. Um, Pascal gross is the only player. I think that's better value for money for me. Um, young player of the year. So young player of the year up next. Um, and there was a few of them to be fair, uh, and that's, that's Albion's own fault. Uh, you know, Brighton have, have, have done an unbelievable job this season. We went from one of the oldest teams in the division under Hughton to one of, if not the youngest team uh, in the division under, under Potter. Um, you know, Bissouma was unbelievable, obviously. Uh, Tarek Lamptey, for the time he played, was unreal. Ben White was unreal. Mopai only 24, top goalscorer. Uh, you know, Alexis McAllister looked great whenever he came on, especially around January. He was unbelievable. Jakob Moda did a great job when he was asked to. Uh, but for me, it it really wasn't that much of a competition. Uh, it's, it's by far and away, young player of the year, Robert Sanchez. Uh, just Unreal! This, this fella, what an unbelievable uh, uh rise to fame Robert Sanchez has had. um Statsbomb, Statsbomb actually tweeted the other day, and I was going to tweet it, but it's in Spanish, so it was a bit of a waste of time. Um, last week. They, they tweeted, this season, Brighton's Robert Sanchez has avoided more than five more goals than can reasonably expect, be expected from an average goalkeeper given the quality of shots he has faced. The Albion have faced more, more quality shots than anybody else in the, in the league. Uh, and Sanchez has kept out five more goals than he would be expected to keep out than any other Premier League goalkeeper. This fellow was playing for Rochdale last year. He was expected to probably be... Another low this year, you know, like we had, when you think at the very beginning of the year, we had Matt Ryan in goal. The intention was pretty clear to have Christian Walton as our number two, because he was the one that was doing a lot of preseason friendlies. And you had Steele, who will be the consummate number three, right? Sorted Robert Sanchez, maybe would have played for the under 21s or under 23s a little bit. And then probably would have bounced out on loan in my opinion. Um, I think he would have bounced out on loan to a championship team, I suspect, uh, and, you know, made his name there for the season um, and done whatever he did at that at that place. Uh, Christian Walton went down with an injury in preseason that took him out pretty much for the whole bloody year, it feels like. Um, he's had an awful year for unluckiness. But Sanchez comes in as the number three, steal the, the backup button, goes off to West Brom, he's long gone, Matt Ryan in goal, And Matty is just not doing well. He's got a case of the yips uh, for those American listeners and viewers. Uh, He has totally lost it confidence-wise, mentally. Um, He's making mistakes that shouldn't be made. He's totally dropped in performance. Um, And unbelievably, out of nowhere, as the new year came around, Robert Sanchez was the man away at Tottenham that was in goal out of nowhere shocked everybody he did as well as reasonably could be expected uh, and from then on the rest is history sanchez won the number one shirt off of both matty ryan and steel he went out on loan matty ryan left with uh with not the greatest of reputations uh, to arsenal um good luck to him i suspect we're probably not going to see him wrap an albion shirt ever again Uh, So Sanchez won the shirt off of him and went on to be, you know, if he'd have started the season, he may well have been in that conversation of goalkeeper of the season with Emmy Martinez. He has been that good Um, young player of the season for the Albion by a country mile. Uh, He has just been tremendous. Um, How lucky are we that we've got this whole batch coming through? This is a, this is a initiative, and a belief system that Gus Poyet and Tony Bloom put together over 10 years ago when they made the decision to go with the Lansing facilities and that investment in youth. And they truly believed that those investments would reap great value in the future. At that point in time, when they first formatted this thing out, Ben White, Sanchez, players like that, They were 10, 11 years old. These are the players that that, that Gus and Tony had in mind when they made these facilities. They wanted to bring these players in and build them from the very ground up to be the team that they are now. And Sanchez has gone from Rochdale to the Albion to Spain in 12 months' time. Our training facilities and our youth development facilities are now in total overdrive. They are hitting every note that they were hoping to hit 10 years ago when they first laid out those plans. And Tony Bloom, for everybody, right, is a legend, obviously. He is an Albion fan. He funded the Amex. He funded the entire rise to the Premier League. He basically built upon the foundation that Dick Knight and the fans built. He built upon that foundation with his own love, blood, sweat, tears, and money, lots and lots of money of his own uh, to to make this team what they are. And he never once lost sight of future proofing. He never once lost sight of the fact that we need the best facilities. He wasn't going to do a Bournemouth, right, where they haven't updated their stadium in 20 years, and it still looks like a heap because they're more interested in spending loads of money on players. He knew that we had to have an infrastructure from the very ground up. That's why he went and got the best chief exec in the business with, with Paul Barber. That's why he went and got this technical director that will be able to have huge inroads with the English youth system in Dan Ashworth. He has thought this through from the very beginning to the very end. And Sanchez just in a vacuum is the absolute pinnacle of what he expects to be coming through in a regular basis. Ben White, you know players like that. They're also coming through. Aaron Connolly, Azate, other players like that. They're obviously also part of it. But if you could put Tony Bloom's hopes and dreams of what he wanted to see ten years ago with Gus in one player over the course of twelve months, Robert Sanchez is it. He's the dream development, and and he is by far and away young player of the season. Player of the year. Uh, was also quite easy for me, if I'm being honest. Um, I've got three, uh, an honourable mention, second place and first place. Uh, The honourable mention is actually Solly March. Um, I suspect that Solly, and I'll be honest, he was at the time of his injury well and truly in line to be my player of the season. Um, He had came in and had just made such a great impact at that left-wing back role i think i th- i was shocked at how good he'd become um he looked confident he looked dangerous he was good defensively he was just great um injury hit and obviously his season was over after 19 games um and with 19 games on the board you can't even be in conversation for player of the year i mean what you know how could you um second place captain fantastic uh lewis dunk um you know, I thought Lewis was was superb this year. He led in just about everything you needed. You would you would want your captain to lead in, right? Like he did everything you would ask him to do. Um, he what he had uh, again, according to FB Ref, I love this site. Um, he was obviously captain of the Albion. Uh twenty-four shot blocks, second most in the team. Uh one thousand nine hundred and thirty five passes completed first in the team, 408 ball recoveries, first in the team, 126 clearances, first in the team. Uh, He had 116 passes into the final third, third best in the team. Um, I think it's also important to note that he was one of those players uh, that I've seen on all of those kind of England stats uh, out of the the options at centre-half as one of the best forward passing centre-halves in the entire division. And we're including non-Englishmen in that too um to me if it wasn't for the number one player for my player of the year he would be such a shoo-in uh lewis has been great this season uh he did love a red card which is a bit more than uh, most teams and uh, but other than that you know i think he's been excellent he's also contributed going forward plenty of goals for a center half i think he ended up being our second top scorer um i really do yeah i think it was his second top scorer which is absolutely mental um but other than that you know great stuff I thought Dunkey was excellent and I think he was hard done by not to be called up to England, but I'm not surprised given that, you know, what we've seen over the last couple of years, Dunk is never going to get called up again. It is what it is. Um, Player of the year. (laughs) Uh, I don't think anybody will be surprised. I suspect that when we get the Albion end of season awards, uh, he will also be your player of the year because he was mine when I voted for him then as well. Yves Bissouma is by far and away the player of the year for the Albion this year. This man led from the front on everything. He had 540 pressures, number one in the team. He had 174 combined tackles and interceptions, number one in the team. He had 50 of 76 dribbles completed, number one in the team. He had four defensive actions leading to shots, number one in the team, 123 passes to final third, second best in the team, 32 fouls one, third best in the team. He was just an absolute monster this year. There is just, you cannot just fathom how good this player has been for the Albion this year. He has just been unbelievable. He hasn't even been injured a lot. He's second place in most minutes in the team uh he has been you know for a defensive midfielder uh he is sixth in the team for shots per game so only five other players ahead of him have more shots on average per game uh the guy is just unbelievable do i think he's going to get sold this year yes i do unfortunately i think we all kind of expect that to happen um but we've been so lucky to have him i think he's just been unbelievable uh he is very much deserving of our player of the year I can't imagine anybody else being in that conversation. Um, And if he doesn't win the player of the year by a landslide uh, at the end of season awards, I will be stunned. Um, Really, really stunned. Uh, Just unbelievable. And, you know, he obviously loves the club. But for a player to continue to grow and progress, I think it's only natural that uh, eventually he will move on. Um, And I think this summer will be that time. For him. Uh next up is the stats of the season. Uh first of all, before I take another drink, um, one prerequisite, you have to have made 12 or more starts to be eligible for these. So I do some like expected assists and expected goals and stuff like that. If you made under less than 12 starts, you're not eligible because it really skews the numbers like crazy. You know, if you played two games this year and you have an XG of 1.3 and you've not scored any goals like it just throws everything off so 12 plus starts is the prerequisite so we have people uh who are actually playing plenty of games for the albion all right let's move on stats of the season uh here we go so most goals of the season top goal scorer neil mopai with eight uh worst xg to reality so what I mean by this is, uh, is a player, you know, if they had an expected goals of five, but they only scored one goal this year, they would have a differential of four. So they would be the what, like a bad performance, right? Uh, if you had an XG, an expected goals of three, but had scored six goals, you would be overperforming by a million miles. So you won't be on this list even close. Uh, so the worst XG to reality uh, is also Neil mopi who scored eight goals. His expected goal ratio was 13.77. Uh, only Timo Werner in the entire division has a worse ratio than that. Um It has been quite unbelievable how poor Mopai has been in front of goal compared to how good he should have been. Um Very disappointing. Assists. So most assists goes to Pascal Gross with eight, unsurprisingly. Uh he has been an absolute monster this season, as we know. Uh and and you know has come back to really come back to his best in terms of that creative influence he is. Uh worst XA to reality. So that's expected assists. Um again, uh we will continue this one with the same way. Uh Ali Reza sure. He has had one assist all season. He was expected to be on just over three. Not great, Ali Reza. Uh The fact that he is the worst one tells you just how creative this team can be at times, uh, which is not very, um, because he was only expected to have three. And that's not great anyway, is it, right? Man of the Match Awards. Um, this one's lesser talked about, but worth, worth noting. Um, Man of the Match Awards are given out, right? And... They are they are based, this is on who scored.com. So they are based entirely tactically uh, on on stats. And the the player at the Albion that have won the most man of the match awards this year is Big Dan Byrne with three. Um so well done, Dan. You're obviously doing something right in the statistical area because people love you. Uh, most yellow cards this season, Bisuma with eight. Most red cards this season, Dunk with two. Uh, highest pass completion percentage, Lewis Dunk again with 89.4% pass success rate. That's mental, especially when you take into account the previous stats I talked about, of just how many passes he's had. Minutes played, Mr. Consistent, Ben White. Ben White has played more minutes this season than anybody else. 3,195 minutes played. Second place was Bissouma with just over 3,000, but Ben White tops the charts. He has played more minutes than anybody else in an Albion shirt this season. Leeds fans believed he wouldn't get enough game time. Didn't think he was going to do very well. Thought he was going to be shit uh, for Albion because he didn't have uh, the wonderful Mr. Bielsa in front of him. Uh, Alas, not the case. Uh, 3,195 minutes and a call-up for the Euros for England. So can't get much better than that. Interceptions, uh, Bissuma, 1.8 per game on average, number one. Uh, clearances, Lewis Dunk, an average of 3.2 clearances per game, tops the charts for the Albion. Blocks, uh, so on average, uh, White, Dunk and Webster, all were joint first with an average of 0. 0.6 blocks per game tackles basuma again so tackles and uh, interceptions basuma leads the way uh basuma makes an average of 2.9 tackles per game uh aerials won for a player that i have consistently said doesn't win enough aerial battles it shows what i know uh, and how useful the eye test is sometimes because dan burn tops charts with 95 aerials won most in the team by a mile by a mile. I think second place was in the seventies. Madness. And finally, key passes. So actions leading to shots. Uh Pascal Gross, an average of two point one per game. My goodness. What a beast. Um, yeah, he's been unbelievable this season. Uh and and once again, showing that he is just a creative monster. Um that <laughs> covers stats of the season players of the season all right we're back we're back we're back we're back let's crack on where we left off um so awards are all done everything's nailed down stats nailed down uh summary of the season um do we think this year was a successful year for the albion um and the question is 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 do you consider the albion is making progress this year uh and the question ha- and the p- answer has to be yes in my opinion uh, i think potter has done a phenomenal job um you know we have had very little outlay in funds uh this season for obvious reasons we got rid of a lot of depth uh shane duffy Martin montoya other players like that that all went and left the club um and he was essentially asked to delve into the depths of the reserves and the youth products, uh, and and he's done so brilliantly. Um, in terms of continuing to make progress, uh, I think it's pretty obvious that we need to make the right moves this summer. Um, Tony Bloom is not an idiot. He has – I've just been talking about how excellent he is at knowing what we need in the future – um, so I'm sure that he is well aware of what we need um, and he will be doing his best to get there. Uh, so yeah, I think Potter has done a superb job for what he's been given um, and and you know I, I will be very happy to see him in charge next year, next year. I'm hoping Spurs don't need him or go for him in any major capacity. Um, and yeah, very happy indeed. In terms of extras that I do want to touch on before we get to the transfer point, uh, Fantasy Premier League. Uh, we did run a Fantasy Premier League competition this year. Uh, it was the Together BHA Fantasy Premier League and Ezra Thompson won at uh, the last second, uh, the literal last 15 minutes of the year uh, in, in in the season. Uh, he was the man to, uh, to come through and get the win. Uh, he has since received his prizes that he retweeted on to to Twitter and other social media. So thank you very much, everybody who took part, uh, and and congratulations to Ezra. Um, And and speaking of Ezra, um, I would also like to thank my Patreons for the year. Uh, Some people have bounced in uh, and bounced out. Other people have not. Whatever. I am thankful to each and every one of you, my current Patreons that are on this list here. Uh, Nick Murray, uh, Daniel Lawrence, Alex Pressland, Sarah Ellis, William Montgomery, Nick Axford, John Fitzpatrick, the man himself who won it all, Ezra Thompson, Kenny Shalita, Tom Shelley, Justin Brentnell, and Stateside Seagulls. Uh, thank you all for the Patreon subscriptions. Uh, you are the reason I was able to buy this shiny new microphone. Uh, you are the reason I was able to buy this shiny new webcam that I'm talking to you through uh, that I've been using for the last you know six to eight months uh, you are the reason that I've been able to get all this stuff because without you guys pledging that kind of money uh, I would have to find it somewhere else um so you know you are responsible for me being able to do this um, in terms of improving my stuff so I really really appreciate that uh, and you know you continue to to help me out you're you know without you guys it would be uh, the microphone would not be as swish and the webcam would not be as good. So, I would like to thank you all very, very much, uh, for, for listening, for contributing, and uh, and for being Patreons as well. In terms of transfers, uh, transfers before we even talk about incomings, let's talk about outgoings. So, I've got five groups of players set up via categories, and the number one category is the untouchables. So, here's here's the list I have of untouchables. And what that means is that we should not be selling these players. We should not even be listening to an offer from these players. Nobody, we should not at any point in time between now and August or September when the, when the window closes, we should not in any way, shape or form be considering selling this, this, this set of individuals. And they are Lewis dunk. He is now 29 years old. He is not getting any younger. We are not going to be able to get the money we should for him. We need to keep him as much as possible. He should be sticking around long-term. He is now an untouchable player. Number two, Tarek Lamptey. He hasn't played enough this season to really get in the heads of other, other teams. Uh, and, and he we have not even seen even close to the best of him. We cannot be letting Tarek Lamptey go. And number three, because there's only three on the list, Robert Sanchez go back to 40 minutes ago when I was talking about him being young player of the the season. If you want to know why I consider him untouchable, unbelievable player. The only reason that we may need to sell him is if by some awful bit of unluckiness in terms of the players in front of him, he gets hurt. Other players get hurt rather in the euros. And he ends up starting for Spain all the way through and being so good that some team comes in like Real Madrid or or, or Manchester City or whatever. And they come in with like 80 million pounds for Rob Sanchez, in which case sell him because that's outrageous. But other than that, as of right now, prior to the Euros, he's untouchable. Do not let that man go. Next up is a group made for two. And this is the group that I call the Ted DiBiase gang. For those that love... WWE or WWF, as it was back in the day, Ted DiBiase had a phrase that everybody has a price. These two are the two that, cons- that I consider the Ted DiBiase gang. Bisuma and Ben White. Are they important to the Albion? Massively. Will we or do we have players that can fill in their roles to some degree of quality? Yes, we do. Are they players that are already in and around the mindsets of other teams that are far bigger than us? And by that, I mean PSG, Liverpool, Manchester City, Real Madrid, Barcelona, etc. Yes, they are. Both White and Basuma have a price. If they get that price tag through the door, if Tony gets that, they will be sold and they should be sold. Bissouma is a lot closer to the door than white, but they both fit the Ted DiBiase gang. Third squad extra like section is what I would consider a first 11 player. So this is, a team, this is a set of players that I would consider first on the team sheet next season. So we've already got Sanchez, Lamptey, and Dunk, right? So we've got Sanchez in goal. I'm writing these out now. We've got Lamptey at right wing back. We've got Dunk. If we can keep White, great. We've got White, Dunk, Webster as a back three. First 11 players, we've got Webster, who's in that team there. He should be considered one of those first names on the team sheet. If he recovers well and everything's good into preseason, Solly March is on that list. There's your back six, five, six, six, already set up for the season. You've already got your back six, done. Sanchez, Lamptey, White, Dunk, Webster, and March. Don't get rid of any of those players. Next up, DeAndre Trossard. He is starting to show signs of being a very, very good player. He is continuing to grow. I know some people are way off on him, and they're not going to like that I'm putting him as the first 11 player, but I truly believe he should be on that team sheet every week if he can be. And also Pascal Gross. So you've got Trossard and Gross in that first 11 uh, that I think should be there every single week. Pissouma, if fit, should obviously be there, but I suspect that he will be long gone. So I'm not even going to include him. Uh, But that man, you know, I think that we need to be including. So we've got, what, six, seven, eight players that are considered first 11 players, which means we have three more that are not, that are players that we're probably going to want to bring in in the window. The next section is the squad player section. These are players that may well play regular games for the Albion this season coming up, but should not be considered what I would consider a first-choice, absolute, untouchable player that should be starting every week without any worry. Those are, in no particular order, because I've just gone from what I could see on the club website, Steele, Veltman, Dan Byrne, Kobovnik, Alexis McAllister, Adam Lalana. Jakob Moda, Steven Alzate, Izquierdo, Caicedo or Caicedo, can't remember how you say his name, uh, Connolly, Welbeck, Tao, Sakiri, and Mopai. Some of those players may well play themselves into the first 11 in preseason and in the first couple of games. Some of those players might get released, but they are players I would consider uh, squad players that will have some role to play in the season going forward. If we keep them. My final section is the expendables. These are the ones that I would consider we should get rid of. Christian Walton. We've exercised a one year trigger, according to Naylor, but also we haven't, according to Naylor. So I don't know where we're at with that. Um The Argus has reported no, not the Argus, the Athletic has reported that Christian Walton will, will be let go with no source. And he's also re- re- revealed that we've signed him on for another year with no source. So nobody really knows where we're at with Christian Walton. We'll find out in a month's time when it comes to releases, Christian Walton can go one way or another, whether we sell him for a million quid to someone in the championship or whether we cut him entirely. I don't care. Walton can go. Ali raise the arm back. Get rid He's not showing enough. He had that opportunity at the end of the season. He did not produce what we expect him to. He's been a waste of money, essentially. Uh, and he needs to we need to get rid while we still can um, get rid of him. Get those wages off our bucks. Get whatever fee you can get him gone. Next up, Davey Proper, far too good of a player to be left on the bench all season long. He can go to a Eredivisie team, which is apparently where we're looking at. And he can get, we can get a half decent fee for him, five, seven million. Get those big wages, what I suspect are pretty, pretty decent wages off of the box, get gone. Florian Andone, get him gone as well. Two, three million. We're probably, that's all we're probably going to get for him. He's better than that. But the amount of money that it's going to take to get rid of him, it's going to be worth it to get him off the box. I think if we were to sell Besuma and let go Walton Alaraza Proper and Andone and maybe release one or two of the others right like Izquierdo uh with and and you know Steel maybe even uh we're probably looking at getting roughly about 70 million in transfer fees through the door for all of those players when you combine Alaraza, Besuma, Proper and Andone coming through and Walton has potentially, I think you could probably get around 70 million pounds for all of them put together. That's not including if you sell white for another 50 million. So then you got like 120, which is outrageous with that 70 million. We can reinvest in this team and definitely build a team that can compete to be a top 10 side transfers incoming what we need and what options there are in those areas. Let's start with wing back on the left-hand side. Wing back in general to me is something we need to strengthen. With March getting injured and Tarrott Lamptey getting hurt, we were once again exposed to the fact that despite Dan Burn being a good player and even a great one sometimes, he is not good enough or built right to be a first choice left wing back. If March is getting hurt, which he does because he is injury prone, we need to have a better option behind him. If Karbovnik was signed with the intention to be a right-wing back, and the hope is he develops this summer to be Tarek Lamptey's backup, then we're good on the right-hand side, right? Like, we're good. We'll have Tarek Lamptey, we'll have Karbovnik behind him, we'll have Veltman behind him, and then we'll have Pascal Gross as a worst-case scenario at right wing back. Hopefully never, but those back three are fine. That still means that we need a left wing back. I would not be upset if we even went for a first-choice style of left wing back. We have Solly March, and then we have Dan Byrne. That's it. That's our left wing back options right now. So here's the options that we have. We have Jeffrey Schlupp, who is out of contract this season. He is very much capable of playing on that left-hand side. Would I want him? Not greatly. Uh, but he is an option if we want to bring in a backup. Uh, if we want to bring in a player that would be a backup to Soli March and not really compete for the spot and be a secondary option, Jeffrey Schlupp is going to be able to come in, and he's also going to be able to do a cheaper job than Climb for example who is also on that free agent list. Now if you wanted to bring in a couple of players that may well compete with Solly March, uh, I've took a look at three different areas of uh of of the world. I've gone in one international option, one lower league option and one out of nowhere option kind of thing because he's kind of got experience in the prem and not. So First option, Joris Kayembe of Sporting Charleroi. Not sure if I murdered that. He's a left back. He is a good left back. Uh, he plays in the Belgian Pro League. He has made 34 appearances this season. One goal, four assists, a couple of yellow cards, plenty of man on the match ratings. Uh, he has gotten a call up to the Belgian national team. He's had a couple of games in the Europa League as well. He's a very strong dribbler, great passer, great concentration and tackling. He likes to dribble. He is a good player. He could do a great job at that left-hand side uh, to give Solly March some genuine competition. He's 26 years old. He's been called up to the Belgian team. He could easily get a visa to come over, come over here, which is the main thing. Uh, and, you know, I think he would be a good under-the-radar signing that we could probably get for four or five million pounds. Of that 70 million, if we were to make that kind of sign-in, or five million, we've still got sixty-five million left in the bank. That's wild. Other option, which is a Premier League experienced option, still young and will definitely be available. And that man is Saeed Kolosinac. Kolosinac, I think that's how you pronounce it. He has played left back and left wing back kind of. Uh, for for, for Schalke this year, they've been relegated to the Bundesliga 2 or whatever that second league in the Bundesliga is. Uh, he would be a solid option to really compete with Solly March if you wanted someone to. My concern is wages um, and whether we would want to pay the money that we'd probably have to pay wage-wise for him because uh, he's been paid a lot at Arsenal and uh, at Schalke in the past. Uh, But I think that he would be a good option if we were to bring him in. And I think he could definitely compete with March. Other option I have, which is a lower league option, technically, uh, is Fulham's Anthony Robinson, only 23 years old. Here's the kicker. He's a USA player. So he's already got a call up in caps for the USA. He's played 28 games in the Premier League for Fulham this season. He's been one of their better players for Fulham this season. He is only 23. He's very good dribbling with the ball. He's very good intercepting the ball. He's played pretty well all the way through the season. Um, And he's now been relegated. So I think that he would be a player that, in general, uh, would be available. And I think we could do a good job at signing him up. Um, You know, he's played at Wigan, Bolton, Fulham. Uh, He would be a good kind of build-up through the backs ranks that we've got. Uh, So for me, any of those options, uh, Kayembe, Kolasinac, Schlup or Anthony Robinson, uh, depending on what Potter wants, we need a wing back. We need a left hand sided wing back. Any of those options, depending on what Potter wants, could strengthen this team greatly. So for me, there's your four options. Go out and get one of them. Doesn't matter which one. Uh, And, you know, we're well on our way to having a backed up, strong wing back option on that left hand side. Next option, we need some kind of attacking midfielders. We need someone to rival and work with Trossard. He's so safe in his starting spot right now, and we need options. If Potter doesn't believe Alexis McCallister, Percy Towers, Kiedo can do that, then perhaps we need to offload one or two of them, including Proper and Ali Razor, which we're already getting rid of in Josh's fantasy booking, right? We've already gotten rid of Ali Razor and we've already gotten rid of Proper. So that's two spots gone. If we, if he doesn't believe that, that Alexis or Tower is he can do the job, is he can get released as well, right? So we've then only got Alexis McAllister and Tower behind him. We need backup. We need someone else to offer some problems going forward. Four options. One of them is out of contract. One of them has a superb release clause. One of them has been very good in the Premier League this season. One of them is an international underdog that you're not going to see very where, very much anywhere else. Which you know I like to do if I can. Option number one, John Lundstrom. Uh Lundstrom is gonna be out of contract with Sheffield United. Uh he has played a great role for them wing back, center midfielder, attacking midfielder, central defensive midfielder. He is the ultimate utility player. Uh he is very good at what he's asked to do. If we were able to get Lundstrom in, he could do just about anything we want him to do. If you wanted him to play at right wing back instead of Veltman, you've got a better right wing back. To me, I would, be t- I would be offering a, a decent wage to Lundström and seeing if he can come in. Attacking-wise, uh, obviously one of the big ones that stands out is Matthias Pereira for West Brom. Only 25 years old, can play all across that midfield. Attacking midfielder, right midfielder, left midfielder, even striker. He's got 11 goals this season in 30 appearances. He's going to be expensive. He's not going to be cheap, but he's going to be worth every penny. I think he would be Excellent. He he loves to win a foul. He's very good at that passing, creating dangerous, dangerous player. Uh, I think he's really, really good. I think he could cause all sorts of problems for everyone if we were to sign him up for our team. And I think he would be unreal. I think you're probably looking at about 15 million for him. Now they've gone down. Um, but again, right, say we've signed uh Kayembe from Shawa and we've signed Pereira. For 15 million that's 20 million gone from 70 million pound we've got 50 left we've got the entire basuma budget left in the pocket for more players right so then you've got two more options uh amon jonathan amon uh he is also an american uh for the american listeners he is uh he plays for fc Nord island He is 22 years old. He primarily plays as a winger, but can also play as an attacking midfielder. He has got seven goals in 38 games this season as a kind of creative force uh, and is a bit of a beast. Um, Whether he would get a visa or not is the only problem, but he has played for the US. He's been called up and played for them twice, so I think he would. Um, And he would be available from the... uh, He would be available from the danish super league if you're wanting to sign in from the danish super league you're probably talking seven eight million so we're then taking away let's go for 10 to be super brutal about it we've then gone and signed we've got rid of walton alireza proper Andone, and donate is and Bisuma, and we've got 70 million in the bank and a bunch of wages we are sending out zakiri or connolly on loan one of them uh, saving wages again. At that point, you've signed up Kayembe as left wing back option. You've signed up Matias Pereira and you've signed Jonathan Ammon to give proper dangerous prop prospects behind him. So you've now got, from an attacking midfield perspective, Trossard, Alexis McAllister, Percy Tau, Matias Pereira, and Jonathan Ammon. All young, all dangerous, and all very very hungry. So many different options, and you've still got. 40 million in the bank. Next up, Sander Berger. There is a rumor that he has only got a release clause of about 12 million pounds, I think. Sheffield United have now gone down. 23 years old, Norwegian. He's been very hurt this year, but he has been or was one of their very best players last season. He was unbelievable. And I wanted us to sign him in January when he when we you know when we lost him. He's played for Genk previously. That was where they signed him from. Uh he has played you know, a lot of games with Trossard, he's one of the players that won the uh, won the league with Trossard. He already knows him. He already knows how he plays. He would be a great player to slot in where Basuma used to play. You've then took away, what, 12 million, 13 million? We're now down to, what, 35 million, I think, 30 million at worst. You've got 30 million left in the bank. You've got Pereira, Lundstrom, Amon, Berger, Kayabe. Unbelievable. You've already had an unreal window, and you've got money in the bank. Strikers. We need strikers. We need two strikers, in my opinion, both good enough to start. To me, I would send Aaron Connolly or Andy Zakiri out on loan, or both, depending on what you're looking for, right? So if you are looking to sign two striking options, you're going to want to go ahead and get Aaron and Andy both out on loan. If you're only going for the one, you're going to want to keep one of them. doesn't matter which, you're going to want to keep one of them. Welbeck is back up. Moe is he has a striker. Here's your options. You're plenty of them at this point with 35 million in the bank from what we've just been doing. Roman Juremchuk. Roman Juremchuk from Ghent has had a very good season indeed. He has played 28 games in the Pro League in Belgium. Uh, he has scored 17 goals, 6 assists. He has been all over it. He's very good as, as a build-up striker. Uh, his through balls, his holding onto the balls, key passes. Uh, he's dangerous in the air. He's a very good player just about everywhere you would want him to be. Uh, he's very good. He's very talented. Gent and not the biggest team in the world uh you know then they didn't even finish in that kind of top four playoff championship thingy majiggy so you're not going to have to worry about the uh you know like playing in europe next season perhaps that that would also tempt other teams uh he is uh he's not one of those players he didn't get there so you've got a great option of bringing him in you're probably going to be asking 15 odd million for him you've got money in the bank still if you bring him and get him in you've got money in the bank next option Thomas Henry, uh, who plays for Leuven in Belgium as well. You have no problem with the fact that he is not playing European football. He's 26 years old, French striker, 31 games, 21 goals, five assists. Once again, loves to get in the build-up, boys. He loves it. He He's very good finishing, very strong aerially. He likes to play long balls. He likes to do layoffs. He's a good player. He gets fouled often. Uh, and he can play and score against all of the teams in the Belgium League. It's not just one or two. You know, he's playing against Genk, he's playing against Club Bruges, and he's scoring goals. He is going to be a great option if you wanted to. You could probably get both for 25 million. Both of them. And you've got and you've got five million left spare and you backed up our team insanely with that signed of backup other options you've got that aren't foreign across the leagues, right? So if you're looking below, which I've, I've also done, you've got Daryl DK from Barnsley, Uh 20 year old American. Uh, he has made 14 appearances for Barnsley this season, 14 starts, nine goals, a uh, very big lad uh, finishing. Very good headed attempts. Very good. He would very much be a, uh, Zachary Connolly type signing in that you would want him to probably learn behind Welbeck for half a year, possibly. Uh, But he's very good at at building up. Uh, He's, you know, Henry in a chat has said that he's likely to go to an Everton or a Villa. Possibly uh, he would do very well learning behind an Ollie Watkins as well. Um, But he's one of those players that are a little bit further down uh, that even though he's got a hold of that kind of, you know, that reputation already building, uh, he would be a great sign for us if we were to go ahead and get him. The other option, lower down the leagues, even though he's just got promoted, 26-year-old Englishman, Johnson Clark Harris from Peterborough. Big lad. Fast. 45 appearances for Peterborough last year. 31 goals, three assists. Absolute baller. He balled out finishing monster. Uh, he loves long shots. He's a good free kick taker. He's very good in the air. He gets fouled a lot. Um, he's very good at defending the ball when he's on it. He's very good in general. Um, can he make the jump all the way up? Well that would be the risk we would have to take with with any of those players that we're signing, right? Um, Peterborough are very good at farming out these strikers. Ivan Tony, for example. Um, and To me, do you wait until Johnson Clark Harris scores another 20 goals in the championship for a mid table Peterborough and then he goes to a Villa or an Everton or a West Ham for 40 million? Or do you take a gamble now and sign him for 15 million, 10 million from Peterborough and, and hope he pays off? That's one of those things that I'm not paid to do, thank God. So I don't have to worry about it. But for me, Johnson, Clark, Harris, or Daryl DK down in the lower areas of the league uh, are very much options that we should be looking at. And then, of course, the final man that I am obsessed with, the propaganda, the 27-year-old Nigerian himself, Paul Onoachu, is a must-buy this summer. I don't care. Get the... right, do you know what? Spend the entire $50 million from Basuma. If we were to get $50 million for from Basuma, spend it all. Paul, I know about you. This guy is going to score goals wherever he goes. 36 games, 38 altogether, 36 starts for Genk this season. Has played with Trossard in the past. He scored 33 goals and five assists. In 38 games, he has had 38 goal involvements. That's unreal. That is superhuman. Six foot seven, can score with his head, can score with his feet. He's like Bass Savage. Like given like the Captain America drug, he is an absolute nutter. He should not be anywhere near as good as he is. He's an unreal finisher. He can take pens for days. He's a head monster. His aerial jaws is just wild. He's very good. He gets fouled often. Uh, he's an indirect set peace threat, right? He's, he's available everywhere you go. The only problem we're going to have with Paul is he's now qualified for European football. So we are going to be having to pay a fair bit. I think we could get Paul for 20 to 25 million pound, and I think that if we were to sign Paul you we would be just laughing all the way to the bank. I think he would score, genuinely, not kidding. I think he would score 18 goals next season for the Arbyan if we signed him. He is that good. He will he will move on eventually, uh, and and I hope that we are the team that pays enough attention and gets him in uh, because he is unreal, unbelievable if you were to sign him up for 20 million and do all the rest of the stuff that I've been talking about, you've got depth for days where we need it. You've got Sander Berger. You've got Matthias Pereira. You've got Jonathan Amon. You've got Kayembe from Shawra. You've got uh, Lundstrom, and you've also got Anuachu. You can get them all for 70 million pound if you wanted to, with the outgoings that we've had on the pod today. That's an outrageous team. That's outrageous. Outrageous. You've then got a start in 11 of Sanchez, Lamptey, White, Dob, Dunk, Webster, and March. You've then got a midfield group of, uh, let's take a look at what that midfield group would look like. You can have, uh, say, Moda, and, uh, no, let's say Berger, and Gross in the midfield, central midfield. And then up top, You've got, because we're probably going to do a three, four, two, one, right? So you're going to have that midfield group, Berger, Gross, Lanty, and March, back three, solid. So up top, you have three players. You'll have Pereira, you'll have Trossard. and you'll have Onuachi. That would be my dream start in 11 realistic dream start in 11. If you could have a realistic dream start in 11 with the acknowledgement that players are going to leave and you are looking at players that are reasonable, so obviously you can't just sign Messi. Sanchez in goal, Lamptey at right wing back, then White, Duncan, Webster at the back, Sonny March at left wing back. You've got a midfield duo, of Sander Berger, who can play that Bissouma role, and you've got Pascal Gross in the middle as well. Dangerous set-piece threat. Then you've got Matthias Pereira and Trossard in front of them. Both absolute monsters at creating chances and getting themselves in goal-scoring positions. And right ahead of them is the big man himself, Paul Onuachu, who is going to bag you genuinely 18 goals with that team behind him. Monster. Let it be known that if we were to sell Bissuma this season and let go of these players that are pretty obviously going to go, right? David Proper, uh, Walton, uh, and Donate you know players like that that are most like more likely than not is Kieto are going to leave. We are freeing up a lot of wages. And not only are we freeing up a lot of wages, we're getting a lot of money for these players, the especially, right? Don't let anybody tell you, do not let anyone tell you that we are not going to be signing people this summer. I will be blown away if this club does not go balls to the wall making sure that we are in a stronger position this summer than we've been ever because the writing is on the wall. We are so close to being a top 10 team. We are so close. We are a goal scorer and a bit of depth away from being a top 10 side. We have, If we have a Patrick Bamford or an Ollie Watkins in our team this season, we finish where Leeds and Villa finish this season. Don't let anybody tell you that, oh, we couldn't afford Ono for 20 million. We're not going to spend any money this year. What do you think that 50 million is going to go at from Basuma? You think our owner that loves us to death, that bleeds blue and white is going to just pop it in his back pocket and go, well, hopefully you stay up again this year without your best player. Of course he's not. Tony Bloom isn't going to leave the club he loves like that. He's going to reinvest that money. Of course he is. And you know, Is he going to go ahead and sign players like Pereira and uh, Berger and and players like this that are in their mid-20s? Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he reinvests 30 of that 50 million into players we've never bloody heard of. On this podcast, maybe he goes in and grabs an 18 year old Englishman that no one knows. Maybe he goes in and grabs two or three players from Belgium and and Holland and Spain and Germany that no one's heard of that are 17 and 18, like Jakub Moda and Karbovnik that we did. Maybe he goes, grabs an Austrian guy, you know, that we've never heard of. But to think that we're not going to reinvest some of that 50 million, at least part of it into a player that is going to offer us a different dimension going forward and not just some random backup. I will be blown away if Tony Bullion doesn't invest that money wisely. I will be blown away if we line up next season with offensive options. If our attacking striker options are Welbeck, Zakiri, Mopai, and Andone and Connolly next season, if that's our options as strikers, if we've done nothing else this season and that's our striker options this season, I'll eat my hat. I will just, it's just not going to happen. I can't even think of what I would do because it isn't isn't—it isn't going to happen. There's no way that Tony is going to do that. Paul Barber, Tony Bloom, the recruitment team, Graham, the team, everybody knows what we need. Everybody, every pundit, whether they're good pundits or shit pundits, Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher, the crap ones, you know, The U.S., the ones that are over here in the U.S., NBC Sports, Tim Howard, joker, absolute idiot on on analysis, but he knows we need a striker. Gary Neville, great analysis, great stuff, is very self-aware, even knows where he's weak in terms of his own kind of management skills when he was talking about uh, Parejo, I think, the other day. He knows we need a striker. Pep Guardiola knows we need a striker. To say that we don't know we need a striker is bonkers. We will go out there and spend some of that money. If we sell and make money, we're going to spend it. Do not fear. And if we don't spend it, on the off chance we don't spend any money this summer, and we really are left lining up with Welbeck and Zakiri and Mopai and Conley up front, then we get what we deserve. Like That's just the way it is. There's not even any point in being upset about it. Our team think that that's good enough. We know it's not. They probably know in their heart of hearts it's not. But if that's the case, we deserve whatever comes forward from it because we all know what we need. So I think it's going to be a busy summer. I truly think it's going to be a very busy summer for the Albion, regardless of what they're telling us. I think we're going to have a busy summer. I think it's going to be exciting. I don't think we're going to sign any of the players I want us to sign because that's just the Brighton way. They sign players that none of us have ever heard of and they turn out being great. But I think... It's going to be a much busier summer than they let on. And I think we're going to do an absolute job on the transfer window. I think we're going to do brilliantly. Um, And we are going to be very excited for next season to kick off. That's my bold prediction. I really do think that. That is everything from me. Very long episode. Uh, so I'm gonna have to go cut this up and make sure everything makes sense and get rid of me drinking tea and stuff in it. So I will see you all. I don't know when I'll see you all. Probably some if we make a massive sign in, I'll do a pod. If we uh if we have some wild ass shit go on, I'll do a pod. Um but other than that, you know, the summer is here, so enjoy it, enjoy your time off, enjoy the Euros. Uh and I will I will see you all next time. Uh, on together bha whenever 136 episode airs i don't know uh i will be online doing some like video gaming and stuff uh in the summer so if you would like to watch that i will just you know it'll beep up and let you know i'm here so have a great summer enjoy yourselves and we will speak when we speak be safe